Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in once again to This Week in Mormons. It's been a busy week of podcasts on TWIM. We're going to churn out, like, technically speaking, three episodes within a seven-day time span. And Kurt, I am very sorry for your suffering, being responsible for two-thirds of those episodes. But uh, we're I'm very machine, glad everybody's Jeff. here. Whatever you need from me. Well, you're very nice. You're too nice. Kurt is truly too nice. I'm going to say that openly. Um, anyway, it's uh, the post-conference wrap episode. We're very excited to have a panel here this week. All we're going to be talking about this week is what we just had in general conference, all the cool things that went down. And honestly, we'll maybe do five minutes of recapping talks and then spend a good hour speculating on what the heck is going to happen in April 2020 <laughs> for general conference, because that's really all anybody's going to care about. I kid, I kid is a joke, but... Uh, very happy to be here. Let me introduce our panel. You have me, of course, Jeff Openshaw, your founder and host of TWIM. Also joining me, as I mentioned there, is Kurt Frankham of Leading Saints. What, what? Hey, Jeff. Happy to be back. What, what, what? I've got a also, list of speculations I'm ready to share. I'm sure you do. I'm sh- Okay, good. Kurt, okay, whatever. Okay, the TWIM sisters are here. Ariane. Hi. Tiffany. Hello. How is we, Idaho? It's good. We made it through conference weekend with... All kinds of children. I spent one half of conference weekend in Logan with my college daughter. I drove home last night. That sounds terrific. It was fun. <laughs> I've barely been to Logan in my life. Anyway, I love your, I love your, uh, just your, your post conference dad voice. It's, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's great, dude. That's wonderful. And, uh, and Jared Gillins, Hello. one and only, is also here. I'm back. Hey, man, what's going on? You can't keep yeah. me away. Nor would I ever want to. You can knock on my door anytime you want for anything at all. because Mostly because you are physically the person closest to me. That's true. I'd have to drive for like 45 minutes, but I could go. I don't live 45 minutes away. This drives me crazy. I work down in downtown DC and my colleagues all describe where I live as, quote, so far. And I do not live. I don't live in In my experience, driving south on 95, everything's at least 45 minutes away. It can be bad with traffic, but in the mornings, it's 20 minutes in the HOV lane. It's fine. It's right. no big deal. Well, I'll see you anyway, DC in people. about 20 minutes. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, southbound, you'll be fine. There's no traffic going southbound. Anyway, everybody, conference was great. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, I Some parts of it I missed because of you know adulting and what have you, but uh, I, I got a big kick out of it. Where were all your basic takeaways, folks? I was blown away. I just thought, wow, it just with all of the changes and the pre-conference stuff, I just thought, I thought this conference was all about the women. Me too. Um, we have a lot to say when it comes to the women's session, I think. Oh, yes, we do. So. <laughs> it was great. All right. It was we, great. I, will do my, I will do my best not to mansplain anything. Uh, well. <laughs> we would appreciate that. We don't want to have to slap you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Anybody else? I thought there was a good theme of um, a couple of things really, really jumped out at me. Of course, there was a lot of, it's always, of course, it's about Christ. It's about coming unto Christ. But there was a lot of talk about really like recentering ourselves, it seemed, you know, just setting thought, aside a lot of the vain things of the world. And I thought focus. lots of talk, I thought there was lots of talk about joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that happened too. Bring I noticed that a, uh, a personal revelation theme was in several talks, I thought. Mm-hmm. I also think yeah. there was a lot of uh, mention of the two great commandments, which I thought was good. 
that was and in different ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we'll get yeah. to. I think we'll get to that. I think a lot of people were happy about a lot of mention of number two, but Elder Oaks leaned quite a bit at first, at least on number one, which I don't um, think is a dichotomy. But yeah, we can talk about no, that. but but naturally the interwebs, of course, the very interwebs that were decried by many speakers this conference. I thought there was a greater prevalence of talks that just went out of their way to just mention the ills of social media, right. which is something we should be concerned about. But I, I definitely noticed more of that this time around as well. Uh, another right. thing I noticed was uh, a lot of inspirational stories coming out of Africa. Like we had at least two speakers yeah. specifically talk about the DRC or Zaire. Um, uh, and there was some stuff from like West African inspirational um, accounts and things like that. I, it, it, there was a lot of African stories and I, and I liked that too. I, I noticed the same thing too. I halfway thought maybe they were going to embrace a cool new format like while Elder Renlund was talking all about these stories about the DRC that he was going to say, and President Nelson has authorized me to tell you that we're also going to be building a temple in Lubumbashi. And it would and it would be this whole new format for temple announcements where random speakers just throw one out at a time. And that really would force us to stay engaged because you fun. never know. Yeah, That's that straight up bridegroom territory, man. Someone's just talking, and by the by, Papua New Guinea, everybody. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. I felt a, a better... I needed this, you know. I think I've been looking in, looking inward in a bad way too much lately, and I uh, I appreciated the reminder to just focus on the Lord, be obedient, and you will be happy. I think it's very simple, but that's mm-hmm. got it. So, if we want to dive in, Elder Holland kind of gave a mic drop talk. I thought yes. Uh, Especially at the very end, it's just like, welcome to conference. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. And my husband was commenting, he's exactly what you said. He said, I don't know about that. It felt kind of like a mic drop. And I said, well, if anybody can mic drop, it's Elder Holland. So let's let is. He truly is the greatest showman. Let's be honest. He just knows (laughs) how to work that room, work that conference center. I don't know. I think President Nelson must have actually not been a surgeon and studied marketing. I think he's quite the... His PR world. skills are off the charts. They're crazy. <laughs> Either but, that or uh, he's got some really good PR people who are like, hey, here's what you need to do. I know. That could be the case as well. Or maybe Elder Holland was uh, preemptively compensating for the fact that Kanye West we, would be performing mere blocks away in between sessions, and he wanted to really lay down the gauntlet. <laughs> got to keep up. Did everyone, hear about, did everyone hear about this? Yeah. Was this yes. Was this oh, yes. known news? Okay. Yeah, so... Kanye West, apparently, what was his purpose? Was it to to MAGA up the crowd at the Gateway Center? I don't know what he was doing there. But either way, he performed at the Gateway. That's the most exciting thing that's happened at the Gateway since the planetarium <laughs> opened. So, <laughs> Well, and the other thing that I noticed about Elder Holland's talk, and again, this was part of his you know, mic drop, was he kept saying, I bear apostolic witness. You know, and we yeah. heard him say that several conferences ago when he was talking about the Book of Mormon, but it seems like he only threw it in once or twice. He had it all over the map in this talk about his apostolic witness. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But when he says it, it's there's good. it's very powerful. Yeah, there's something is. about it that makes you go, Oh, I need to pause and and really listen to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, like I, I I mean, everybody has different apostles that they like. I really like Elder Holland. And so I tend tend to really listen. I mean, I perk up when he speaks and I really take his counsel quite seriously. Mm -hmm. I do too. This is my fear though. Like leading off with Elder Holland, I was like, folks, 
the only way to keep us paying attention all the way until Sunday afternoon is to not bring in Elder Holland until the back hour of the last <laughs> session. Well, that, that's why they had Elder Uchtdorf speak so late. Right. They exactly. did. They did. It was yeah. unusual for Elder Holland to be yeah. the first up. I don't think the, that's the happened in a while. First out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, actually, we're jumping all the way to the end, but I feel like, hasn't Elder Anderson kind of batted cleanup quite frequently? I feel yeah. like he's the last speaker more than one would expect if you were to look at a lot of conferences. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, I never noticed that, but yeah. Which is interesting. And I've also noticed, of course, with the announcements and the changes that we had, uh, I guess Elder Cook is somehow, <laughs> he's like Pre- Elder President Nelson's fixer, I guess. That's his <laughs> appointed <laughs> job. He gets to be the explainer. Yeah, of I, all. I felt bad bad for the guy. I just seemed sitting there like, man, I have this fantastic talk about Isaiah and how it parallels with it, you know other scripture. And I, I just can't wait to give that. But, oh, I got to just explain this program, I guess. Well, okay, I'll say l- that. Long time Longtime listeners of TWIM know that I'm a fan of Elder Cook's written talks, but not his delivered talks as much because I find him not to be the most engaging speaker. So for some of us, this is a huge blessing because he just gets <laughs> up there and, and does that sort of thing. And I'm like, awesome. Good use of this slot. I'm, exactly. I'm okay with it. But that's going to crack me Oh, go ahead. Tiff. I was going to say, you know what? He was he was just moving through all of the changes so quickly that I mean, I was struggling just to keep up with my notes. Going, what did he say? What did he say? What does it mean? So, uh, yeah, he he threw down a lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and I and I don't think you were alone in that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of memes that kind of reference the fact that uh, I thought I was following until Elder Cook started to talk, and then you had those diagrams and you know infographics that were getting big and smaller, and then we're like, wait a minute, so what? My my impression well, was that he was given a slide deck, you know, and just say right. like here here's your graphics, and and you know I've been in meetings like that, we're like okay, people buckle up, we got a lot of slides to get through here, so uh, <laughs> you know, well let's make sense of that, Kurt. As the leadership expert among us. Oh, yes. <clears throat> sure. Sure. Um, have you had time to digest what changed in that session? I, I think the young women, especially because the young women changes were a lot more straightforward. I followed that pretty well. But the yeah. priesthood stuff seemed a bit more murky. So for anyone who missed it, yeah, are, you able what, to sum- are you able what, to summarize this and separate the wheat from the oof, chaff? I'll see if I can summarize it. And uh, we were talking, I was talking with my brother about this at dinner, and, and technically speaking, not a lot changed because the bishopric was always, even you know, even scripturally uh, speaking, is always sort of seen as over the young the young men and the youth, right? So uh, I think they've just structured it differently to uh, hopefully get rid of some uh, some cultural aspects that uh, made us forget the fact that, that, that the bishopric is in charge of these things, and so sort of demoting the the um, emphasis on young men's presidencies and just sort of moving them to a level of of uh, what advi- advisors or what are the officers? What terms are we using now? Um, I don't even know. That's what I'm saying. Right, I- and so now there's uh, and and also know that I was literally sustained in my ward as the young men's secretary last Sunday. So now I am most likely going to be an an advisor or a specialist. I believe the okay. terms are. And so functionally, uh, are you doing anything differently? Uh, I not necessarily, but the interesting thing is is that the young men's president will probably be you know sort of. Uh, downgraded to that level as well, where we'll see each other more as equals looking towards the bishop rather than as the secretary, I'd look towards the young men's president. So, um, so th- simplifying that, the young men's program that it's going to be the, the bishopric focus where the b- 
bishop is focused on the priests, the first counselors focus on the teachers, and the second counselors focus on the deacons. And from there, they do their best to run weekly activities, which it will be interesting to see the bishopric more involved in those weekly activities or as often as is as necessary for your area. Um, and then with the rest of us are sort of the minions of, of the young men's program running around to, uh, to help out where we can. But I, I, I think it was a good change. Emphasize on the, the core doctor and the core structure that was originally uh, put in place. Okay. I think we'll see how it plays out. I, what, what I at least take from it is to assume to give the, the young, uh, the actual quorum presidents more, I mean, they have the authority, but to actually give them more responsibility to interface directly with the bishopric. Yeah. And, yeah, like I remember, we've all sort of been in those lessons where we sort of uh, make a nod towards the deacon's quorum president, like, you're one of the few people with priesthood keys and the teacher's quorum president, you too, you know, but we, that doesn't really mean much the way we were we were running it, because at the end of the day, the young men's presidency was running it, even though they didn't have keys. But now those yeah. those presidencies or those presidents of the deacons and teachers quorum will turn towards will be meeting. And I think that those keys are more emphasized as they should be. Yeah, I agree with that. I never even thought about having keys. I think I was I think I was a teachers quorum president. I remember not being deacons quorum president and feeling like like, you know, glossed over. Oh, yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I th- you don't think in terms of keys when you're that young, you know, and maybe that was bad instruction or maybe I wasn't doing a good enough job actually like learning about the church. I don't know. But, um, I, so I think this could be very good for them, hopefully. What's interesting is my bishop, uh, I'm the executive secretary. And so I used to schedule a lot of interviews like during mutual time, he'd be at the church. And then we a handful of months ago, anymore, jo- Jeff, it's yeah, no longer that, mutual. <laughs> well, I'm speaking in the past, Tiffany, so it's fine. <laughs> so, um, but he, we, a couple months ago, he said, Hey, I want to clear this out and only do interviews like afterwards. I want to, I feel like I need to like spend more time with the youth. And so this whole time these announcements were coming out, I was like, did somebody tell you something or were you just preemptively inspired? Cause I thought it was so interesting that he's been going way out of his way to focus a ton of his energy on just the youth and try to offload more stuff. And then here we are, you know, it's this exact same, this is what the church is institutionalizing it more or less. So right. go figure. Yeah, Jeff, I'll mention one thing, you know, there's obviously after Elder Cook and some of these other changes, there's a lot of, you know, what about this and that, these details, that, and hopefully, you know, obviously letters and FAQs will come down down the, will the trail here soon. But um, just the fact that they're now the uh, general Sunday school presidencies and the general young men's presidencies, that they will be uh, officers now. And it one thing that they really didn't speak to is, will there still be a presidency or, you know, with a first and second counselor in the general Sunday school presidency and the young men's presidency, or will it more be like, you know, the, the young men's board or the the more be just these, uh, these officers that maybe there isn't a, a young men's president, or maybe there is, but he doesn't have counselors. He just has additional helpers, whatever we call them. Right. So that's something that we'll learn more about. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. But didn't, yeah. Cause then they say that the, Sunday school president on the stake level and the, and also the men's president would be members of the high council. Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Do you pull counselors to those presidencies from the high council? Or do they call other counselors or like you said, do they just not have? A- yeah. I missed that whole part when this, this high council related stuff. Yeah. I think there's some, so I- somewhere it said that on the high council, there'll be, you know, one of the high council 
uh, counselors will be the young men's president, and then whoever's over like the young women will be um, the first counselor. And I don't know. So I think there will still be counselors there. But yeah, it seemed a little. They just sort of blew past that those details. Yeah, they really did. I was. I'm going to see if I can pull a couple of those up because I think what they were doing is they were creating a stake level committee. And on that stake level committee, you would have the high counselor who is now effectively in charge of the young men and is the young men general officer for the stake, I guess. And then the high counselor in charge of the young women. And I think they were still going to have a stake young women's, I don't know if it's presidency or just like a general officer, but they had, um, they, I, I remember them talking about that and, and it was, it was, it was somewhat confusing because I couldn't tell when they said, we're no longer going to have auxiliaries. We're now going to have organizations. If that was just on the stake level or if that was on the ward level, it, it was, there was a lot of confusion for me surrounding that. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking about how dang busy our bishop is going to be <laughs> and our whole bishopric. I mean, I know that they've been building up to this because for a while they've been trying to put more on the Relief Society presidency and the Elders Corn presidency. But I just thought, oh my goodness, now they're going to have to also run, not run young men's because ideally the young men will be running it, but going to those activities every week. And I, I immediately thought, who's going to plan the activities? I mean, ideally, the boys are very yeah. involved because that's what the goal has been all along. But they're still are going to have to be. They're going to have to have leaders, adults to, adult, adult supervision. Yeah. yeah. So, and I guess Another, they'll have the advisors, but it's just interesting. Are all of the the bishopric members and the bishop going to be there for the you know presidency meetings for each quorum? Probably. Well, right? you know what? I guess what I assumed oh, was the bishop would be there for the priests and the first counselor would be right. there when there's a presidency meeting for the teachers and helped guide right. and direct the teachers. And the second counselor would be there for a presidency meeting for right. the deacons. Right. But I mean, just that's just a lot added to their plates. And maybe this is because that is so much added to their plates. Maybe this is the push for the elders quorum and the Relief Society to really take over more than take on more responsibility than they have. I know we've had that push for a while, but maybe this will be what really pushes it and will help that to happen in the wards. I don't know. Well, something they- else I'm curious about then. Oh, sorry. As, um, it seems like we're reducing the number of available callings in general. So like yeah, what's ever- smaller, this is like the Andrew Yang approach. Like, what are we all going to do? You know, as, as as with him, it's automation. But as we just reduce the number of available jobs for a ward, robots, Jeff. We've yeah, got the, robots. I don't think the ward's going to pay us all a thousand dollars a month for for no reason. So I'm just curious, like what, what? I mean, I've been in a singles ward where you know callings are just fabricated out of thin air, just right. to, yeah. to do. But I am very curious in this era where it seems that President Nelson wants us to, of course. You know, cleanse the inner vessel, look inward, be more family centered, let the church be more supportive rather than driving everything. And that's all well and good. But then I just wonder, like, are we going to have people who just don't have callings? Everyone's just going to rotate through the nursery. 
Yeah. See, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I think rather than have, like in my ward, of course, they have a young men's presidency. And I laughed because my husband has just been called to the first counselor. And a couple of years ago, they called him to be the scoutmaster. And right after that, they or announced that they were getting rid of scouting. And I said, ah, oh, you no longer have a calling. And now he's young in young men's. And I said, ah, you no longer have a calling. I think what they'll do is they will have advisors because that's what we have in our ward right now. And I, so I think in addition to having, you know, the bishop and his counselors, they'll call, you know, X number of people to be a priest advisor, X number of people to be a teacher's advisor, a deacon's advisor, and similarly young women's advisors so that you have more adult leadership there and it just doesn't fall all on the counselor and you have other people there who can help guide and direct the kids. That makes sense to me, but I think um, that that would vary, like the number of people who might be seen as needed as advisors is going to vary per ward. Like in our ward, we we just don't have a ton of young men or young women. So before you had to have, you know, the handbook to find a presidency is a president, two counselors, and a secretary. So there was four callings. But with uh, the number of young men we have in our ward, they might just say, oh, we really only need two advisors, you know, so still you've eliminated half the young men callings. Right. And maybe that frees up, I mean, ideally more time for people to be doing Come Follow Me and their families or going out and doing service in the community and ministering. Maybe Maybe that's the vision is that well, hopefully people will replace this with some self-driven type of work in the home. Yeah, well, Jeff, I think this goes back to a lot of what we were talking about in the in last week's episode that um, this this shift in dynamic really changes the community aspect of a ward that uh, you know even look at the the ward council dynamic has changed significantly i think now there's not going to be a young men's president you know in there because the bishopric is there and then uh, i believe correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the sunday school president obviously is um did they say i don't know maybe maybe that they're still there but um but nonetheless, just these, th- just the shift, like you said, if we are focusing more on come follow me and in home things, uh, efforts there or ministering, which is a very proactive effort, um, it just changes these. Sometimes you know these callings felt forced, or you know I'm supposed to be there out of duty, but out of that oh, came sure. relationships and connection. Exactly. I don't know. We actually, it was interesting. You mentioned that on our episode last week. A lot of people commented on our discussion with that and just said, "No, this has all been great." Like. Home Center Church, two hours been awesome. But usually the reasons were things like, I have kids, it's difficult, blah, blah, blah. There wasn't a lot of people who commented on the lack of socialization that might might be, which yeah. interesting feedback. I don't know. Well, I pulled up some more details on some of the changes that Elder Cook announced that we were all a little murky about. Um, one of the things it says is a congregation's bishopric youth committee meeting will be replaced by ward youth council. So it sounds like maybe the bishop will be having two councils now, regular ward council and then ward youth council, mm. which, you know, if it's run somewhat like ward council, could be very interesting to have um, the, the presidencies um, of the various priesthood quorums and perhaps as well as the young women in there talking about some of the issues related to the youth in the ward, like, like what we do in ward council. Um, then of course it said mutual will be retired. It's now young women activities, ironic priesthood activities or youth activities. If you're doing a combined activity, 
Now, here was one of my favorite ones. The ward budget for youth activities will be equally divided between the boys and the girls. (laughs) No more scouting to pay for. How freaking hallelujah. That was now, now, effectively now, announced with the scouting thing. They just formalized it with that announcement. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Of course, in everyone's defense, the Relief Society has long had an astronomically larger budget than the Elders' Quorum. <laughs> yes. That is so, true. amen. True. I didn't That's know that. Because the Relief Society actually plans and executes activities. <laughs> it's true. I mean, when I, when I was an Elders' Quorum president, and unfortunately, Jared was in my quorum at the time, and he could probably attest to my poor leadership. But, um, we looked at doing activities and I was like, okay. And I got into the budget for the first time. And I was like, are you kidding me? The budget for the elders quorum was like a hundred dollars a year. If that, I think it was even less. It was hilarious how little it was. Cracked me up. And that is why Jared, we had no fun when I was elders quorum. So <laughs> we did a few activities, but it was like, one of them was we went uh, over to someone's house to watch like March madness and like somebody people, it was kind of a potluck thing. So yeah, there was no budget money into there. And then the other thing I remember I think this, uh, we actually went to like an early March, like early on in like playoff type before March Madness, February fracas, I guess, uh, game. And, uh, again, it was pay for yourself. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Make your own way. Um, this is a complete digression, but Jared, I don't know if you remember at that March Madness party when one person who was there just abruptly got up and walked out and just said like, they just left like in the middle of a conversation and didn't say goodbye to anybody. And we were all super confused. Yeah, I do remember that. That was very awkward. I had to do a lot of strange follow-up and the individual just said, oh, I just feel like there was nothing for me to talk about in that conversation. So I went home. I was like, okay, at least they're not affected. So that goes on. <laughs> all right. One last well, clarification uh, on yeah. Elder Cook. It says, at all levels, ward, stake, and general, the church will use the term organization rather than auxiliary. Those ah, yes. who need the... General Relief Society, uh, young women, young men, primary and study school organizations will be known as general officers. Those who lead organizations at the ward and stake level will be known be known as ward officers or stake officers. So okay, does that, that make sense? Yeah. Does that mean then that we no longer have a Relief Society president? We have a Relief Society ward officer. No, I don't think so, because it doesn't say they're taking out presidents, just the term auxiliary. Auxiliary. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the idea was that the calling remains the same, but when we refer to them collectively or in the abstract that we're not using, to me, and I don't know if this is really the driver behind it, but auxiliary has always, to me, connoted sort of a secondary or yeah. less necessary type of title. And so when you say, let's not call them auxiliary anymore, because they are essential. They are a central part of how the church functions. They are officers. You know, I, that's, to me, the meaning of the change. Uh, so building on the changes, we've talked about the the male side of it. We might as well just hash out the, the female side of it as well, what happened to young women. I mean, I don't think we're, we're on the subject. So uh, I, let's do it. The sisters care. So we will let, <laughs> I will not mansplain, and they can tell you everything that happened. Okay. First of all, back to President Nelson and his PR strategy. I want to say I thought this was brilliant that he said, okay, we're going to have Elder Cook tell you what uh, what's happening now. And then tonight at the women's meeting, I think it was, wasn't it Bonnie? Was it Bonnie? Bonnie H. Corden. 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 She's the, uh, the young women's general president. Yeah. Yes. She's going to explain what happens with the young women. And so first of all, I thought a couple of different things. I thought, okay, well, first of all, this is cool that the young women changes are being announced by 
a woman. I liked that. Second, he ensured that all the women would tune in for the women's broadcast. And third, he ensured that most leadership would turn in for the women's broadcast, tune in for the women's broadcast, because I'm, I haven't checked in with my bishop, but I'm guessing he was watching the women's broadcast because he needed to know what was going to happen since he's in charge of the young women in the ward. And so uh, I think it really upped the numbers. I thought yeah. it was Ball a really move. No. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> so anyway, we we get to Sister Corden's talk. And let me find my notes here on that. And she starts out with, this was probably one of my favorite updates, the young women's theme. Um, she immediately says, you know, we're revising the young women, women's theme, which I hadn't even thought about. But of course, they have to do they have because to. they're taking away personal progress, personal progress, which is the young women values, which were the main chunk of the the old theme. So when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, of course we need a new theme. I loved the new theme I love so the much. New theme too. It was, I mean, the old theme was fine, but this one is perfect for the exactly. new, for the new purposes. I loved, there were a couple things I loved. Um, she, they mentioned heavenly parents yes. in there oh, instead yeah. of, yeah. you know, the old theme said we're daughters of our heavenly father who loves us and we it, love him. And the new theme mentioned, we're daughters of our heavenly parents. I don't know the exact wording. Yeah, it, I think it did say heavenly with a, parents. It says, I'm, I'm a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine right. nature and eternal destiny. Right. I loved it. I thought it was very powerful. And then one other thing I really loved in the theme, um, part of it said that we will cherish repentance. And I thought that was such a cool way to talk about repentance and to get into our kids' heads that repentance should be cherished and celebrated and not a scary, bad thing, which is how I saw it growing up. <laughs> so right. I thought that was really cool wording on that. I liked that wording too, because I think that, um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of shame associated with repentance. And I think this removes the shame from repentance and allows the girls to think about when they have made a mistake, the value of repentance and that they can repent and that there's not shame associated with it. Yeah, it was great. I loved the new theme so much. Hey, uh, yeah, then- speaking, I just want to interject on that uh, repentance thought is even I had the same feeling uh, when they announced on the new temple recommend questions, which I think we'll, we'll get to, but oh, right. there was uh, as far as, Talking about in your or in your repentance, you know, like they they sort of gave it as this is a given, which we're we're all involved in repenting, right? It was almost mm-hmm. it just had a different tone and cadence to it, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elder Ballard or President Ballard even kind of I liked his talk, kind of talking about how he just repents. We talk about daily repentance all the time, but I, I that was another good reminder of that too. Just I'm always kneeling down, saying I'm sorry, trying to be better, and then asking, hoping I'm good enough. Yeah, the time it's good. Well, um, and. Then, of course, the other thing that she talked about was that I thought was really big, too, and I think going to make a big difference. And in some words, I think this is probably already happening if your numbers are small. They're getting rid of beehives, myamades, and laurels. There are no class no! distinctions. <laughs> it is all just one group of young women, and the wards have the option to divide those groups out how they see fit. You know, if it's a very small ward and they want to keep all the girls together, they can keep all the girls together. If there's a larger ward, they could divide them by age. They could even divide them. I was discussing this with my husband because we have a, I think we have, 
somewhere between 30 and 40 girls in my ward, that you could even divide them into two groups of both older girls and younger girls. So you had older girls mentoring the younger girls. That would be cool. Yeah, I love the flexibility that it gives to the wards. Yeah, this is one thing I wanted to highlight that just the the autonomy that the general councils are handing to the the local wards, I think is mm-hmm. is crucial. But at the same time, we sort of live and die by this autonomy because we in the you know the ministering program, we've you know they they essentially gave us autonomy. Like ministering is just uh, you know reaching out to the one and serving them and loving them, and and now everybody's like, well, yeah, but what is that? What do I do? Like, what when can I check the box? You know, so <laughs> and sometimes it, then that those type programs founder but this is definitely the um the way to go with with this international church is the more autonomy we can create the better and, and obviously it's harder with the young men's program when keys are involved and quorums and things it's hard to, to give that right. time but i love the fact that they're just like it's up to you any way you feel inspired to go run with it and what i think is so interesting about that is because in some ways the whole come follow me effort the, the broader i would almost describe everything we've been doing over the past 18 odd months as the come follow me effort covering the whole church and come follow me in and of itself is in many ways kind of a correlation 2.0 sort of thing right where we are aligning all the curricula around this one thing but then at the same time like you just mentioned the autonomy kurt and while we are trying to unify the teaching even more the structure and the apparatus around it is much more nebulous than it has been in the past, which I think is very, very interesting. I mean, there are a lot of people who still take issue with the correlation effort from the 60s, for example. Yeah. But I think this is this is so different because it's really just saying, let's focus on key areas. And sure, we're all studying the same thing at the same time, and it's great, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, but we can decide how we want to organize our class and how we want to go, how we want to structure everything and who does what. And that's uh, yeah. that's very different. I- I think there'll be some some definite growing pains, uh, just like there is with ministering right now. I think uh, we're sort of settled in ministering and and maybe not a, a good spot, but over time, I think it'll we'll figure this more out and work it more into our culture, and and I think it'll be better overall. And the one other thing that the uh, they're they're saying the young women should focus on, and I believe this is also new-ish. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this also aligns with other organizations, not auxiliaries, and the ward. Um, that they're focusing on ministering, missionary work, activation, temple and family history work. And that has been a special, a newer focus for those four things, Relief Society, for Elders Quorum, for all the different groups. And now they're even bringing it down to the youth so that not only are we sort of correlating our curricula, we are also correlating the four-fold efforts that we could have. And I'd almost go as far as wondering if this is sort of replacing the famous uh, four-fold mission of the church, uh, it's not exactly the same by any means. I mean, you could see a lot of the overlap there. The only thing this doesn't have is helping the poor, for example. There's no real that's in there, of course. So but we don't have to do that anymore. Cool. I guess not. I mean, missionary work and activate. So you used to have one that applied to missionary work, but now we split that out to missionary work and activation. They're their own things. So sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, less fortunate people. Just go read the talk on fasting and contributing to fast offerings. <laughs> The one from President Nelson? Yes. <laughs> I, I I really expected – it was a great talk overall. I just – I expected more. I thought he was teeing it up to say, this I know, has right? all been well and good, but I need to tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to do more. Like the, the fast offering coffers are not where they should be. We've got to step up our game. And instead I, it was I a feel little- like he's – 
he's conditioned us to like and the, the next announcement is like we're we're actually going to do do fast offerings differently or we're going to do this i'm you're just sort of there waiting well, but it's I, like oh yeah yeah that was just a great talk on on our uh, our welfare e- effort you know that's great. i guess i thought we'd be even if not like a new program or anything i just thought we'd be admonished a little bit just something like that and in the end it was still good i think anything like book. that Anything like that serves as a great reminder to the people of the church that our humanitarian work, our charity work, those things matter a great deal, and we should not forget them in all of our day-to-day work as Latter-day Saints within the church. Like, those are a crucial part of who we are. Uh, but I guess part of me was a little just disappointed, because uh, without without uh, some kind of clear call to action, it could be a little bit like, we are all doing amazing things. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Is this like a Paul thing where you're craving admonishment because, you know, if you're chastised, that means that you're loved? Is is that what we're going for here? Like, it's funny that you're. Who's Paul? The the apostle? I'm joking. Um, You know, the New Testament. I just, I just think it's funny that you're like, I'm just so disappointed that we weren't admonished. Like every once in a while, it's nice to hear, hey, guys, we're doing really well at this. Good job. Good job that, you know, when we ask for donations, you come in strong. You know, he, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's nice to get a high five from the prophet every once in a while. I guess that's a fair point. I always liked President Hinckley because I felt like he delivered the tough love pretty well. And that's what I grew up with. <laughs> there's your there's your title for this episode, Jeff. A high five from the prophet. That's truly what this yes. conference was. It's positive I parenting. <laughs> I am not naming this episode that. <laughs> Can we that's talk terrible about terrible for SEO, Kurt? Come you, on. You've rejected my brand. I, I'm so I'm so insulted. That's what Paul used to say too. The lost Pauline epistles. Oh, thou Romans, you have rejected my brand. <laughs> okay, can we talk about President Nelson's talk at the women's conference? Yes, we need yeah, to talk sure. about his talk at the women's conference. Speaking of President Nelson, um, he, I loved it. It was all about priesthood and how the priesthood, you know, how the women have. Have access the to the priest yeah. of power, have the priest of power. He said some pretty powerful things that I've never, I guess, heard phrased that way before. He talked about how when we have our callings, we have direct access to priest of power when we're set apart for our callings um, to administer to those that were over. I mean, to minister and help yeah. those. And I just thought it was so interesting that at the end of this talk, he announced the temples. I felt uh, like yeah. it was so coordinated and yeah. so planned. And I felt like he was, I don't know, has that ever happened before where they've announced temples in the Saturday night session? No, I don't think it's ever happened. Well, and it depends because, I mean, for a long time, the Saturday night session was just always the priesthood meeting. Right. right? That yeah. was it. Yeah. Um, I do I do remember when President Hinckley announced the smaller temple approach in priesthood meeting. And that was okay. that felt like meeting. a big announcement. And every every church president's done it a different way. President Monson pretty reliably announced temples during his remarks on Sunday morning. That was pretty right. common. President Nelson so far has announced them during his little thanks for coming remarks at the right. end. And I think that's but, where we were all expecting it. And I just felt like it was very thought out and planned to be at the end of this talk about priesthood. Yeah. I felt like it was him saying, I just got done telling you women that, and this is just me speculating, obviously, just got done telling us how we have, you know, the priesthood power in our lives. And now I'm going to back it up because I'm going to announce these temples right here. And I also thought it was a real uh, kind of reminder to everyone 
that this is women's session is now a session of conference yeah. and which it has been for a couple of years now, but I felt like it was a reminder to us, like, sure, we'll do it in the women's session. This is part of conference now. So, well, and I, one I think of the things, I was just going to say, one of the things he oh, said yeah. right before he made the temple announcements is he told the sisters, he said, your input in family ward and state councils, he says, is essential, not ornamental. And so I think then to follow the temple announcements after that, at least from a women's perspective, I just felt like, oh, he is driving at home. We are essential. We're not ornamental. And it also made me wonder, I mean, this is a man that grew up raising nine daughters and one son. You know, what impact did that have on him in his views of women, given um, he's got a lot of women in his life? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was really interesting and kind of cool. I wasn't, I just wasn't expecting it. And when he launched into it, I was like, oh, he's going to announce the temples right here and right now. Yeah. So. I remember yeah, he was leaning into it a bit and kind of, you know, talking about the setting it up a little bit. Temples are cool. And I was like, oh, this is good. I'm like, he could, he could almost be going to the temple announcements at this point. Is he going to go there? Is, is he? But I'm like, he wouldn't do that. That's what I thought. I was saying, oh, that will happen. But he did. He's rogue, man. Russell M. Nelson just does what he wants. I love it. He is the John McCain of Mormons. The man. (laughs) Maverick. All right. Well, speaking of temple announcements, do you want to go there, Jeff? Oh, sure. I mean, if we're here, is this, uh, this, is this my moment to pat myself on the back moment. instead of being you, chastised? You did uh, pretty good this year. I don't like being chastised about temple announcements, so I'm very happy about this. No tough love for me here. Uh, th- these, were, these were pretty cool. I uh, And it's genuinely, we just stand on the shoulders of giants, but we actually happen to get some exactly right and some pretty close. I'd say McAllen, Texas was the only one that was straight up left field, nothing we even hinted at in anything we did. So uh, Freetown, I'm so stoked to hear about. I think that one has been in the mix for quite a while with the way the church has been growing. I mean, on the podcast, when we talked about the temples, we mentioned that I think every stake in Sierra Leone has been organized since 2010. I mean, the that's nine years and they have six stakes in three districts. I mean, it's crazy how the church is growing in West Africa. That's awesome. And my bishop is from Sierra Leone. And so I, we communicate a lot, given my calling. So it was pretty, we we're having a fun time texting back and forth. That was really cool. I'm so excited for him. Uh, Orem, I kid you not, was written out as one of the picks when we were working on the publication. And then we scuttled it and said, because we had, we already had too many this year anyway, and we took that one out and said, ah, we're going to table Orem. We're just not going to do that one. So, of course, instead we left in, you know, Branson, Missouri, which made perfect sense. But um, Orem, so I've, it doesn't shock me. I think it's really interesting. What cracked me up, I don't know if you guys saw that we published on the Twin Feed, uh, the response from the city of Orem to the temple announcement. Did anybody else see this? Oh, I saw it. I thought it was hilarious. I was dying. <laughs> yeah. It's, um. so if anyone hasn't seen this, it, they basically just show a picture of the Draper Temple and then said, <clears throat> at tonight's women's meeting, President Nelson, you know, announced a, an Orem, Utah temple. We do not know anything. We did not know anything about this announcement and therefore have no additional information to share. And they let it off just saying, we know we're going to, we've gotten a lot of questions about this. So we're going to answer them right here. And their only answer was, we didn't know about this and we have nothing to say. Orem does well, not seem if, if, very excited about a temple. If you worked, uh, you know, in the temple committee or whatever, I mean, the first the first meeting of even discussing an Orem temple or even any temple in Utah is we're not telling anybody outside of this room or uh, or it right. won't be much of an announcement. Well, I assume, though, that 
and I don't know exactly how this works out, but I'm guessing in most cases the church likely has been working with a municipality yeah, prior to announcing that. a temple. But I have to wonder if in Utah they just don't, and maybe it's wrong, but maybe it's because they assume with the heavily Latter-day Saint population, they can just kind of throw them out there and everyone's like, yeah! I mean, the only place they're going to run into trouble is like Midvale. Other than that, or Park City. They can't drop one in Park City. Without notifying them in advance. Thankfully, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, so the Orem one cracked me up. And, of course, they also announced a temple in Taylorsville, Utah. Sorry, Kurtz. I think that's as close to West Valley City as we're going to Hey, get. I'll take it. I The the stake I grew up in, I'm actually sitting in that stake right now, is a Taylorsville North Central stake. So this is close enough. But I'll, my family and everybody, we sort of look at each other like, where on earth would they put this? And because we're, you know, okay. right in, we're surrounded. We're l- landlocked with... Um, as Other far cities. as new development. And yep. so it's like you either take down a high school, a shopping center, or uh, houses. And I was going to, so I'm glad you have some input here because I was wondering about that for the reasons you laid out. A lot of the temples in Utah of late have gone into, uh, you know, newer towns, newer developments. I'm thinking of like Draper, Ochre Mountain. You know, these are all like just new communities that are being built up. Uh, the temple that's going up in Layton is going up on a big old farm that the church bought out. Uh, the temple in the Tuella Valley is just in Erda, which is there's just nothing there except for a restaurant that's apparently very well loved that the church is going to tear down. But um, the Taylorsville, like you said, Taylorsville is like west central sort of of the valley. So it's already got cities all around it. I don't know where they're going to put it. I had actually some input from none other than Richie Stedman, who knows Taylorsville well. And he thinks... It is going to go right around by the golf course and the 215. So, like, Mur- I would imagine it'll be pretty close to the 215. Just so, like, Murray Parkway and 5800 South, if that means anything to you, Kurt. There looks like there's some open land there near a park. That could be something. I don't know. There's some other open land that's over right by a meeting house off of Bangorder and uh, 6200 South. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course it's true. We all know it's true. But that's almost like, uh, I mean, then you're getting, I, I would say it's going to be a little more north than that just because you're getting too close to uh, Ochre, Ochre Mountain Temple. And, and also too close to uh, Jordan River, yeah. They're- right, exactly. So I, I would say, I would hope more north, like at least more north than 5,400. So, Well, if it's in, um, and if it's in Taylorsville proper, the Taylorsville city limits go up to 4,100 south. That's all you got. After that, you're somewhere else. So the Valley Fair Mall, everybody, I know you had high, high hopes, not in Taylorsville. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, but sometimes don't they sort of build it out of the city uh, out of the city uh, boundaries but still refer to that city, or is that not a thing? They do, but I think that happens more when a temple goes in like a major metropolitan area and it just happens right. to be built in some other municipality. Like the Washington, D.C. temple is actually in Kensington, Maryland. Fine. Right. Um, but, I mean, this is in Utah's case— it's not like Taylorsville is like a regional hub. It's just like one of the towns that's there. I don't like. I don't know what value. If they were going to build the temple in Kearns, I'd imagine they'd just call it the Kearns Temple. You know, like what's the point? I don't know. What do I know? I know very little about this stuff in Utah, but I'm excited to see them get even more temples. That's like what twenty three temples in Utah. Then? Yeah, man, we're just so righteous here. I just can't stand it. Anyway, not to spend too much time on this. Uh, very excited for the Papua New Guinea temple in Port Moresby. I think that's going to be really neat. Uh, I think our our biggest concern there was just infrastructure. We found some studies that showed that only like 3% of the roads in the whole country are paved. Uh, and the membership spread all around the country. So it'll be cool to see what they do with that. And if the church tries to cooperate with the local governments to try to you know improve access to get there, I think that could be neat. Of course, the big one, everybody, a place I've never been, but I've been 
wanting to be in for years, Bentonville, Arkansas. Yes. Everyone, this year, when we did the announcement, the predictions, we said we are officially not predicting Rogers or Bentonville because we're tired of being hosed. And we're just not going to do it this time. And that's going to mean this will be the time they announce it. And here we are. So that's really. I, say, uh, I thought that was funny, Jeff. <laughs> it may. It's. It's. Yeah. It's because uh, it's at what point. I don't know how to argue about it anymore. It's like, look, it's it's more than 200 miles away from the closest temple anywhere. There's a bunch of stakes in the area. It's this island where it's not close to any one temple. But hey, it's finally happening. So good for them. Uh, we've got Bacalod in the Philippines. Awesome. That's what we'd predicted that or in uh, Angeles, one or the other in the Philippines. I thought our, the official, official prediction was somewhere in the Philippines. The official prediction was anywhere in the Philippines. There's a different, I've, I have to defend myself here because Joe said like, is this like a Russia thing? Like you're just saying a temple somewhere in the Philippines will, we will reveal later. And I'm saying, no, if you put a map of the Philippines up and throw a dart at it, you've got like an 85% chance that the church is going to announce a temple there because <laughs> that's just how they're doing things in the Philippines now. Uh, we mentioned McAllen and then uh, Coban, Guatemala. Did not see that coming. We thought there'd be another temple in Guatemala City. Coban's farther north in the highland region of Guatemala. It, it's, it itself is not a huge city uh, by any means. So I, I imagine that's going to be a smaller temple, maybe. I'm going to guess it'll be in the vein of like the ones they're putting up in uh, Cape Verde and Guam. But that's just a guess. Either way, cool stuff, man. Excited for everybody. Mm-hmm. Good. Good, good stuff. I halfway wondered if President Nelson was going to announce more of them this afternoon. Like, just say, those eight weren't enough. Eight's right. not enough. Eight isn't enough, right? Stir down and some more. Just say, like, everybody, okay, okay, we're going to do the one in Bakersfield. Kurt, I feel like I have to apologize for what happened on your wall, too. I don't know if you saw that, but... about uh, <laughs> Maybe I should go take a peek. But. On the leading LDS group... We people commented on our. They said some people from Bakersfield felt that we were unduly harsh towards Bakersfield, and I was feeling very academic that day. And so my responses were very like, "Look, it's not a dig; it's just facts. Grow up." <laughs> so I apologize to all of them, and someday they will get their temple. Anyway, um. I didn't, realize that, I didn't realize like, that there were people who felt loyal to Bakersfield. That's interesting. Well, okay. So my understanding of Bakersfield, and I can relate a little bit to this, I guess. So Bakersfield is within the Los Angeles Temple District. And the people there say, look, like we are the lifeblood of the LA Temple now. Like most of the workers there are from the Bakersfield area. And I just said, that's all well and good, but you haven't organized a new stake in 30 years. And so like temples don't go where growth isn't happening. I don't, that's not a mean thing. It's just, it's just usually doesn't, not the case. Right. If you have a temple in LA and a temple in Fresno and you haven't had a new stake for that long, you're not going to get a temple. It just doesn't happen. That's all. And people th- take this to be like it's a mean thing. And Bakersfield <laughs> does suck. So there is that too. <laughs> but I was, um, I was but waiting did, for that shoe to drop. There we go. But it's so you're did, sorry, not sorry. But no, actually, I'm not the one who railed on Bakersfield. Joe was the one who said the meanest things about Bakersfield. I uh, Bakersfield <laughs> is. It's got a lot of pollution and a high crime level, but it does have a good, decent food scene. And um, yeah, it's got a Tommy's, so there's that. It's got there's a Tommy's all over Southern California, and that's all I can say about it's hot. It's it really gets hot. very hot there, but but the Bakersfield sound of country music is one of the best contributions to country music. And if you don't know what the Bakersfield sound is, that is your homework, dear listeners. And we are approaching fifty odd minutes of this show, and we've literally spoken about like 
two talks. Uh-oh. So let's just go to President Nelson's uh, uh, the the next big moment, and then you know we can sprinkle in some. But I want to talk about the the worst pun of the entire conference: of we need less Wi-Fi and more Nephi. Okay, that you made me want to punch that beautiful Australian. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's all we need to say about it. Elder Vincent, you're better than this. He he. In his defense, he was quoting another leader that I think he heard a bishop say that or something. Oh, that that's the kind of thing that just shouldn't be. You, you don't. You don't perpetuate that. You, you just let it die. <laughs> let it die. Okay, General well, authorities live for those moments when they can say something like that. Ponderize. We will never forget the Ponderize debacle. Woof. How to monetize conference, everybody. That was the greatest. <laughs> that should be the uh, the new password for all the church buildings is is more Nephi rather than Pioneer 47. Just <gasps> you're not more Nephi. Say, you're not supposed to say the password on the record, <laughs> Kurt. <laughs> Well, he didn't say it was a capital P, so... <laughs> I single-handedly had a huge problem for the IT department. They now have to go through every building and reset the router. I literally think the only reason we're fortunate to have one Wi-Fi password across the church is because the brethren travel, and they don't want to make them deal with finding out the Wi-Fi password at whatever random meeting house It, it feels like Zion, Jeff, when you walk into a random building in a random place in the world, and boom, you're connected. And that no, internet can do Zion. absolutely nothing, but you're so happy you have it. I was going to say, but are you connected? Because I've never had that experience before. What I don't know that they do, though, is in uh, countries with different alphabets. Like, I've been, I went to church in Germany, and Pioneer 47 still worked for the Wi-Fi. Uh, but, like, what if you're in a Cyrillic country? And everything they have, you know, they're managing that with the Cyrillic alphabet. What do they do then? Is it phonetically pioneer? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> so if anybody has any tips, or if you're a, I just, what do you do? Who knows? They, they can't possibly be forcing like these poor Ukrainians to just like use English for all the church networking. Anywho, um, what do you want to talk about President Nelson's other announcement? What, you mean the whole like Temple Recommend stuff, Kurt? That's what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. This all is right. huge, Jeff. I mean, it's 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 a slight adjustment. Some might yeah. even but call it huge. The, the cliffhanger. Yes, <laughs> the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was a crack of, like, is this the season finale, President Nelson? It is. <laughs> you're trying to get it to tune in. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, all right, Kurt, you're big on it. Walk us through what happened this Sunday afternoon at the end. Well, yeah, uh, obviously, uh, well, Elder Anderson mentioned something that, uh, you know, don't worry, I'm the last talk before uh, President President Nelson speaks, and uh, we all got a good chuckle out of that. Um, but when he got up there, that's where I thought, yeah, maybe there are more uh, temple announcements or things, right? And then he sort of alluded to the temple. I'm like, wow, he may go there. But no, he, he went in another angle with the, with the temple recommend questions. And... Um, as somebody who's who's been a bishop in a state presidency and read through these a lot, like there are there were several questions where it's just sort of like every, like fifty percent of the time I would get there and read it to the individual and they would just sort of look at me like so what and I'd sort of give a quick explanation and be like oh yeah sure yeah not a problem at all yeah. um, you know just with the are you affiliated with or you know referencing family members or things so and I feel like. This new transition, the old ones are very behavioral focused, and the new one is much more of you know looking on the heart and where where do you feel like you're at? Do you, you know can you do you do you feel like you're in a place where you can comfortably I, that we can both comfortably sign this recommend type of thing? So yeah, um, so the updated the temple recommend questions. I don't know if there's 
any others? I think did everybody have because there's been the rumor as far as the emphasis on uh, the word of wisdom, and so I was sort of bracing myself like, is he maybe maybe they won't mention the word of wisdom? You know, maybe they'll leave that one out, and you know, not that it'll it won't be a commandment anymore, but maybe there won't be emphasis in the recommend. Curiously, they did update the language on that one a little bit, I believe. Um, yeah, they did. They said I the have, main thing is I they, have it right here. Yeah, I, I think um, the, do you understand, understand and obey yes. the word of wisdom. So not just do you keep it, but do you understand the word of wisdom, which is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I would say the other big one is the uh, do you strive to keep the Sabbath day holy, yeah. both at home and at church, attend your meetings, prepare for and worthily partake of the sacrament, and live your life in harmony with the laws and commandments of the gospel. So, yeah. Did we talk right. about um, public and private? Did we talk about that one? Oh, the is that honest? The honesty one? I think maybe it was the honesty one. I'm trying to remember. What was that? Public. Let's see. Do you follow the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ in your private and public behavior with members of your family and others? Ah, uh, yes. Like that was the. I think that was the biggest question that, that needed the the biggest uh, or the, the most clarification. And I think yes, they did a good job. I think as the uh, sisters can, since how much they love Mormons behaving badly, I think they can uh, appreciate. <laughs> the in private part of that question quite a bit of late. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll, also, go ahead. Didn't, oh, the one that stuck out to me, didn't it? Wasn't there one in there about having clean thoughts also? Yeah. yeah. And that was, yes, new, that was wasn't great. It? chastity one. And it was a separate, yeah. separate, yeah, it was a separate question from that. the chastity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Yes, I'm trying to find it here. Um, Hmm. The Lord has said that all things are to be done in cleanliness before him. Do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior? Do you obey the law of chastity? Very good. So that's pretty interesting. What's interesting is they got rid of the language about whether explicitly you affiliate with groups. It just says, do you support or promote any teachings, practices, or doctrine contrary to to those of the church. And I wonder a little bit why that one was tweaked. I mean, I thought the affiliation one was probably too black and white of a question for something that requires nuance. Um, mm-hmm. But I also, that's uh, an interesting one. I wonder what they're trying to get at. Obviously, if you support these things that are contrary to the teachings of the church, but are they saying you could be a member of a group as long as you're not support i don't know i, I just you that could one be jumped in out of me. john yeah, birch that- society but not of the john birch society <laughs> <laughs> you could be a member of ordained women but as long as you don't march on temple square <laughs> you're fine but like why would you be a member of that group if you did not of course support or promote the teachings of them i don't know so i was curious about the changing on that one and what they why they bothered with it in that case so and this is what how many questions are we up to now 15 it was not 15 before wasn't it 12 before yeah but I think they less they 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 cut down a little bit because a couple of those questions were really long. The the yeah. was in the beginning about sustaining uh, your leaders, it was like a three part question and it was pretty lengthy. Yeah. And they really uh, cut that down quite a bit. So I like that. Do, are they? Is there any indication they're going to keep that little? You know, they kind of added that uh, blurb the about the garment, the garment explanation. Is that going to remain or has that been sort of folded into this, do you think? I would guess that uh, it will remain, especially since they didn't mention otherwise, but... Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But who knows? I guess we'll see as of tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said, right? <laughs> Beginning tomorrow, this is the new question. Yeah, they're not messing around. Yeah. So if anybody's. Well, and I think if you go to the church, um, the their media site, I think I saw something floating around on Facebook later 
on this afternoon that they have released uh, through their media site the exact wording of all the questions. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's at the uh, newsroom right now. Yeah, the newsroom. Make sure you pay your financial obligations, people. That's important too. So it's cool, man. They just keep dropping stuff right and left. It makes me wonder so much if President Nelson has spent years in private with Wendy, just being like, "Man, there's this stuff we could do better." You know, I firmly believe these are things you you know you you pray you pray about it, you take it to the Lord, they go through all the right steps. But uh, there is, of course, the human element that drives these things. I mean, there's a reason none of this was happening under President Monson beyond his health issues near the end. Like this, just that wasn't his style or what have you. And I don't know where the line is and how much the Lord is inspiring President Nelson to do this versus how much President Nelson has had a lot of ideas with things we need to (laughs) amend and alter in the church. And let's, you know, let's do it. But it's been really fascinating for me to watch. And, you know, I don't know if it's because he just, he just likes to move at a breakneck pace and get it done. I don't know if it's because he knows he's 95 and while he seems to be in good health, he doesn't really know how long that's going to last. So he's got to like get it done while he's here. Um, it's been so interesting to see. And I, I keep wondering every conference, like, what more could they tweak? And yet, right. stuff still they gets do. tweaked, you know? You know, Jeff, I have kind of an interesting thought on that. I was thinking about this last night because, like I said, I had a had a lovely four-hour drive home from Utah. And um, I have been reading the David O. McKay biography based on your recommendation a few podcasts. Oh, so good. It is really good. And, you know, the when you read in the David O. McKay biography, and you talked about this, how David O. McKay really set the foundation for what we know the modern church to be. You know, we had the church of the 1800s and the early 1900s, and, you know, things were kind of rogue all over, and he really kind of centralized things. There was correlation, brought all of that into place so that we were kind of more unified. And then I think each prophet since then has built upon that. But I think when you look at what President Nelson has done just in the very short amount of time that he's been the prophet. You know, I wonder if history is going to look at him as setting the foundation for the millennial church, you know, and putting these things in place for as we head towards the millennium in the way that we look at the things that David O. McKay did to set in place for the modern church. And it's interesting when you talk about correlation, and in some ways it seems like we're kind of stepping away from correlation. I think we're still very correlated, but we're given more autonomy to pray and be guided by the spirit. And I think we're capable of that now. I don't think we as a church were capable of that 50 years ago. And so I I think it's very interesting to kind of see the evolution over the last 70, 80 years. Yeah, for sure. And I also think it's funny. It's fun to watch the way different church leadership does things. I've, my mom years ago said to me once, there are caretaker prophets and there are like change maker prophets, like what she'd seen. Like President Monson was pretty much a caretaker prophet. A couple things changed, but by and large, it was just sort of, you know, steady as she goes. Uh, President Nelson is obviously an innovator. I think President Hinckley was more of a change maker type. And you could go through history and find out which ones were which. So I love the idea, though, of setting it up for the millennium, both in the sense of the millennium with the big M, and also building the church for like millennials and building a church that can work towards the future. Because, I mean, our, this generation of millennials has struggled a lot, and that's why so many efforts we've had have been useful from the Gospel Topics essays, which date back to President Monson, up until all the things we're doing now. 
uh, you know, a lot of people have become disaffected and left and things like that. And so it's a very good time to make us better so that we can be stronger and so that that generation can find a place in the church. Otherwise, it's a lost generation and then we're in trouble. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, anybody have any like talks they want to talk about or anything? Like anything that spoke to you? Well, do do you want to talk about the cliffhanger at all? Or oh that... yeah, yeah, I forgot about the cliffhangers. So <laughs> obviously, the cliffhanger. conference will be coming from space in six months. That's right. <laughs> it better be nothing short of the Stadium of Fire, Jeff. I want the International Space Station. I want President Nelson up there because I know he can handle the G forces. I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> no. Um. So the cliffhanger was that President Monson mentioned that uh, 2020 is going to be the 200th anniversary of the first vision, which is a big deal. And I think I flatly not even thought of that with all the other 2020 things going on. I think my mind is so much more on election stuff that I totally forget about something a little bit more important, for example. Um, so yeah, so the first vision, uh, bicentennial, and President Mon- I believe President Nelson's exact words were general conference therefore will be unlike any other in the past and encouraged us to read up on our read up on the accounts of the first vision and study the book of Mormon in preparation and didn't tell us anything more beyond that. So if any of you work, if any of you are apostles by chance and you want to leak information to me, um, that's Jeff at thisweekinmormons.com. Thank you. (laughs) So now begins six months of rumors and speculation, which we love to do, right? Well, should we go around and each like give one one unofficial guess? I mean, I think it would just be interesting to hear yes. what everybody's thinking. I yeah, sure. I'm not going to start. So I'll go, I'll go first. Go. I've got a, right. I've got a prediction. I'm sorry if I'm stealing anyone's, but uh, I I think that they're going to uh, do a remote conference. I think they're going to do conference from upstate New York. From Palmyra, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Which was done uh, in 1980. Uh, they did they hosted a conference from Fayette, New that's York. That's right. I was going to say that, yeah. Like, and so and that would be a reason maybe to discount it or to disqualify that guest because he said it would be unlike any other conference. And I mean, it was pretty oh, minor. Was just, Which is a bit hyperbole. Right. But. Well, I mean, it was, and it really wasn't, they didn't do the entire conference in there. They just had President Kimball yeah, at the uh, Peter Whitmer farmhouse, which had just been restored. And he conducted via satellite, uh, like some of the conference from there it wasn't like they moved the entire conference there so i so maybe maybe it still counts as unlike anything else because you know maybe they'll have the conference actually take place somewhere in uh you know palmyra or the, the i know, mean if they i'm curious what the logistics would be like would this be an outdoor conference i mean they, they've got uh where, where do they do the hill Cumorah pageant they can, at, at the actual hill Cumorah. Well, there you go name. we'll just do yeah. it there that could work it'd be funny if there was like after the Hilkamora pageant ended, which it won't be, just to say, hey, we still have a use for this land. Uh, okay, sorry. So that's my I, guess. That's my guess. Remote here. conference from upstate New York. All right, sisters, you can each have one. You are not legion. Go ahead. Well, that was kind of what I was thinking too. That was the only guess I had was that it's got to be from the Sacred Grove, right? Or part or, of it. I don't know. Or if they had, so so they have 
They have conference at the conference center, but they have different people at remote locations giving their talks at remote locations, talking about spiritual things that happened at those remote locations. Uh So you wouldn't necessarily have to have everybody at that remote location, but yet you're going to get a video feed from the remote location. Yeah, you could hit up all the early church history sites. All of them. That could be very interesting. Okay. Okay. Food for thought. Kurt. Well, I would say they're going to, uh, it's going to be similar to the Come Follow Me effort, where instead of going to church to to have church, you don't go to the conference center for conference, you, you do it in your home. So they're going to send out a packet of how to conduct your own general conference <laughs> in your home. There will be no feed whatsoever. It'll just be dad conducting and a variety of, of individuals in the family. Little Johnny will talk about the first vision. Uh, Sarah was going to talk about the different versions of the first vision and sort of the the, the contradictions that's created over the over the decades. Naturally, and yes. uh, and it'll be a home centered general conference. Oh man, that would be the shortest. Now general will will ever. they let will they let the women pray though? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. So. I guess it depends on if dad wants to eat dinner or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, guys, my theory, other than the one, the only one I can really think of, which is the upstate New York one, but like Jared said, it's sort of happened already. Um, my theory is that conference is held from the banks of Lake St. Clair in Ontario, Canada. Why is that, you ask? Because President Nelson will confirm the Great Lakes theory as the correct geographical placement theory for the Book of Mormon, wherein Lake St. Clair will be identified as the Waters of Mormon, as we have it, and there will be mass baptisms and much rejoicing. Also, we will do a screening of that goofy-looking Nephites in Europe video that I saw circulating on YouTube. That will also be a part. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I would say don't waste your time, but no, look it up because I it's probably worth an article or maybe we should even have the people on TWIM. Oh, I should write this down. Anyway, everyone, it's going to be great. Afterwards, we'll go to Detroit, you know, Detroit Rock City. It'll be fun. We'll talk about some urban blight, fun times all around. <laughs> the church will buy up an entire, you know, 20 square city blocks and turn it into a church farm. I mean, the only other option in the remote vicinity is instead... We go to the Straits of Mackinac, and if anyone knows where that is, anyone, or do I need to exp- no? No, nope. the Straits nope. of Mackin- the Straits of Mackinac are the strait that actually separates Lake Michigan from Lake Huron. Technically, they're one body of water because there's no falls or break or anything between them. And there's a large bridge on Interstate 95 that crosses this strait. We do bungee jumping, people. <laughs> So I think Jared wins, but I love Kurt's idea. I only love because I win first because uh, it's what we're all thinking. So yeah, the ultimate evolution of "Come Follow Me." There is no more general conference at all. In fact, it's home conference. Elder Elder Renland will instead mail you his remarks, and you may deliver them in his stead. In that little home packet, there's going to be a little DIY teleprompter in there. <laughs> make your make your ten year old read uh, President Oaks' remarks just to oh man. To really give him some some spunk. For all of this, I hope we do what they've done with, in a creepy way with like Michael Jackson and Tupac, and we use holograms for things. Mm-hmm. I think that could be very useful, either in a general setting. We could do a hologram of Joseph Smith, people. That is the conference we've never had before. They're going to make a hologram of Joseph Smith, and he's going to deliver remarks. That- or Jeff, of course, all things lead to virtual reality. I'm saying we'll all receive a headset 
and we'll all be there. And it'll be like the lawnmower, man. So that'll be delightful. Um, all right. Well, I don't even know what to do at this point. We're over an hour long. We're th- okay. Were there talks that jumped out? What were the What was the messaging you liked? What What do you feel after this conference? Beyond, of course, all this administrivia that we've talked about for an hour. What What uh, we're, uh, We've made fun of Elder Vincent. That's great. Good job. And um, I loved Elder Christofferson's talk. Personally, like I took more personal notes on that one beyond just his remarks. I talked because he talked a lot about joy, like the joy we feel from becoming Christ-like, and you know, I took a lot of notes, like saying, "Do I like put my burdens on Christ? Am I like buried so much in my own worries that I'm not focused on joy? Like joy matters, and we can lean on Christ and have a lot more joy." I thought that was great, and he talked about Patriarch Jack, which is somebody we all knew growing up in California, so that was great. <laughs> I would say uh, President Oaks had some pretty poignant talks, uh, you know, talking about uh, the afterlife and ceilings and the ambiguities there. And then um, and then also, you know, I had uh, the LGBT message, which um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that they address this. But is there anybody else like in the first presidency in the corners that wants to give that talk? Because he's, <laughs> he gets a bad rap. I mean, I know. he's so... He's such a lawyer, and it's such a sensitive topic, so it comes across like a bit too. Like, uh, he says the word LGBT, and I look at Twitter just waiting for people to be like, Aah! like they're they just yeah exactly. You know. <laughs> well, see, here's so. my theory on why he why he is the LGBT man is because he has a rap. Everybody knows that's his shtick, and so you know why why make somebody else out there to have to have the bad rap? Let's let's just put it all on him, and he just leans in. But the guy that's on deck to be the next prophet (laughs) is sort of uh, let's hopefully has some fans by the time he's done. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like the talk was crazily just about. I was worried when he even mentioned LGBT. I was like, oh boy, where are we going with this today? It was a little bit different from. Yeah, it was much softer what than I, I thought think some it could of his other been. talks. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, did anybody else find uh, when when he mentioned his other talk about the spirit world and you know the the letter he received from the second wife will be she'd be stuck in heaven with the first wife? It was kind of humorous, but I was I I, I don't know that I was offended, but I was one of the types who said I don't know if like someone who wrote this letter was looking to get a laugh out of this yeah it felt a little flippant yeah it felt a little yeah yeah there's a lot of people going through that that it really is a big deal for i mean that's huge and i and i get i liked the whole point of the talk of course was just trust in god live your good life focus on focus on keeping the commandments doing what's right everything you can and trust that god will take care of it i think most of it was that message and so i enjoyed it but when it led off with that i was like oh somebody's gonna take this in a weird way just that you, I mean, it's not everyone's job to say, don't be offended by me, but I don't know. I feel like if you didn't want people to laugh, you can phrase things in a certain way with a certain tenor so that people know not to laugh as opposed to sort of a delivery that opens itself up for some chuckles from the conference. Center. Exactly. Well, and the other thing I thought too is, you know, one of his points was, you know, look, you're kind of focusing on the wrong thing. Let's focus on the bigger picture here, both in that example. And I think he used another example as well. Just like you said, he could have phrased that differently so that it wasn't meant to be humorous and still got his point across that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in stuff that is really, when we look at the big picture, maybe not as big of a deal as we think that it is. Um, And again, I mean, not, and not to minimize, you know, 
any woman who is struggling with that because it is a real struggle among sisters. But uh, I, I agree. It could have been phrased differently. Yeah, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not a woman. I'll never deal with having to potentially lose a spouse and then not being able to be sealed to my subsequent one, right? Like that's not something I deal with as a man in the church. And so I'm, I'm very... I haven't dealt with, I have no family members who've been through that or anything, but I'm just like acutely sensitive to that. Cause I hear, I know, I know people who have been widowed when they're like, you know, women who are like 23, 24 right. and they might've even had kids already. But even if they don't have kids, like you're putting a lot of trust in God, both that, you know, you're going to find a man who's going to say, I'm cool with this. Like I'm cool with not being able to get sealed to you and not having our children sealed to us and trusting in God. Again, but that still doesn't make it any easier when you don't have answers yeah. to mortality. That's just tough. So I don't know. Uh, Elder Renlund's talk, the man always gives good talks. You know, he's got a very calm delivery, but the man has great anecdotes. I loved the idea of how the uh, you know the converts to Christianity threw their idols into the falls and they deliberately put through them, through their former life, those symbols of their former life, into rough waters from which they would be unrecoverable. Uh, and that was a great metaphor for all of us being converted and truly committed to God. You know, we don't we don't just go drop off our cares in the bathtub mm-hmm. so that we can pick it up later. We we chuck it down Niagara Falls, people, which will also be a location of the upcoming general conference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I liked President Irings from this afternoon. He talked about happiness and holiness and kind of how they relate and. Mm-hmm. You know, the more we can grow from our trials, uh, the more we'll grow in holiness, which then can lead to happiness and talked about holiness being a gift from Heavenly Father, not necessarily that it's something that we earn, but it's just, a, you know, it's a gift given from him as we strive to do better. Yeah. I wrote the same thing down. I love that. I always think about holiness being something I like obtain. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm work so hard and I become holy. Right. And I don't necessarily look at it thinking, no, I still work hard, but like, no, this is a gift. Like God will sanctify you and make you more holy as you strive to be better as a gift, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And then bringing it back to happiness and how it's all part of, you know, the Lord's plan and can bring us happiness and joy in our life. So, yeah, it was really good. One of the ones I liked was in the women's session. It was the first speaker, uh, Sister Alberto, who is a Relief Society counselor. Um, She was very frank with mental illness, and I loved it um, because there are a lot of women in the church that I am aware of, and I'm sure men as well, that struggle with mental illness issues. And she just put it out there, and she's like, you know what? There is no shame in this. If you are struggling with mental health, mental illness issues, you know, go and get the help that you need. And um, she was also very frank about her father dying of suicide when she was very young. And to me, that was very, um, I don't know, I don't want to say humanizing, but I was like, okay, this sister has, has, you know, I mean, I don't know what else she's dealt with in her life, but just that thing alone, just having a parent that dies and then having a parent that dies of suicide. I'm like, she gets it. She knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's talking about. And, and I think one of the things that I liked that she said is she said, you know, perfection is a journey in this life and the next. And she said, you know, quit beating yourselves up about being perfect because nobody expects you to be perfect in this life. We expect you to just 
just keep trying. There seem to be a number of talks that that reiterated that point of not comparing yourself to others and not, yeah, I mean, all throughout conference, I mean, even getting all the way up to uh, Elder Elder Johnson, even though almost all the way there at the very end, spoke about the same thing and, you know, the toxicity of social media culture and how much we can just always think that we're not enough when that's not the case. Yeah. I really liked uh, Elder Gong's talk. It really spoke to me. Um, I'd been thinking actually a lot lately about um, the importance of being a uh, part of the covenant and, and, you know, the, the, how the covenant plays out in my relationship with the savior and things. And so, and I, and I liked the way he phrased it too. He kept on using the phrase covenant belonging. And I just thought that was a great way of thinking about it. The, the covenant helps us to belong to something. And it, and that to me also emphasized uh, that, that salvation is both individual as well as collective, that we need to belong to a larger body of, of covenant people in order to, achieve the kind of exaltation that the Lord intends for us. So he just gave me a lot to think about. And that was one of the ones I kind of starred in my notes saying, I need to come back to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised no one yet has mentioned Elder Uchtdorf. The man spoke about hobbits, people. How is no one <laughs> jumping? No, no, yeah. Sorry. I, that, I guess. Yeah. Especially you, Jared. I know where your allegiance is. It's like. true. Yeah. And I guess in our, in our pre-show banter, we, I talked about it a little bit, so I forgot that I hadn't talked about it on the record, but yes, I do love, I was very excited when Elder Uchtdorf, who I love to hear speak, uh, led in with, well, he said, there's a beloved children's story. And I thought, is this another C.S. Lewis talk? <laughs> but no, it was a J.R.R. There's Tolkien some talk. children that enter a wardrobe <laughs> and then. Uh, no, it was magical. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, and I, I just, I love it when, when they show us that it's okay to take something quote unquote worldly. You know, this was a, a fantasy novel written. Right. No, right. I mean, and it was written by a devout Catholic who in, intentionally or otherwise inserted a lot of uh, Christian symbolism and, and such. And, you know, don't tell Tolkien I said that cause he, he would hit me if you he heard me say that. But, uh, um, but, you know, so, but still, it's something that's sort of like, oh, you know, here's this fantasy novel, stick to the, stick to the canon. And yet, I love that when we hear uh, general authorities pulling out Tolkien and Lewis and I, I remember even a few years ago, Yan Martell, uh, Life of Pi was used in conference, which was an interesting choice. So I always, yeah, that. I, I was once in a meeting with a member of the 70 mm-hmm. and he was he's he was dropping a lot of the, like the classic names of philosophers and thinkers with quotes and he all, then he just says and also as Albus Dumbledore once said <laughs> and then just goes on to cite Harry Potter and I was like dude you are the man check yeah. you out no. straight up quoting and by that point the last books weren't even out so I don't even think he knew Dumbledore was dead you know, it was the, amazing there's a great uh, <laughs> there's a in the, I think it was in the Millennial Messiah, one of those Bruce R. McConkie books. He, there's a quote that I've always liked, and he talks about how he says basically, and I'm paraphrasing, he says it's appropriate to look for and find symbols and images of Christ all around us. Yeah, uh, why not? And so I, I think about that often, and I think, you know, I mean, and certainly, like it's it's kind of natural to find it in the Lord of the Rings trilogy or The Hobbit because of Tolkien, and of course C.S. Lewis uh, is very on the nose with his Narnia stuff, but why not find symbols of Christ in literature and in the music we listen to and the movies that we consume? Like it's there. We can liken those things and make them to our benefit. Yeah. Um, Elder Bednar in classic Bednarness, you know, set up a object lesson, explained it. I love his structures are always good. This is how he does, whether it's a pickle or the load of a truck, 
or cheetahs in this case, with cool animations that I thought were going to become episodes of Wild Kratts, the way they were done. <laughs> which I've seen way too much of in my life. Oh, that was fun. You know, we talked about cheetahs. I liked it because you talked about cheetahs sneak up at the topies, and the topies have some sentinels that see what's up when they bolt. And you almost think that's where the story's going to end. You know, be careful of the cheetahs. But then he says, no, the cheetahs are unrelenting. Like, this happens, and they just, like, start all over again. They just basically keep going until they finally get one. And they don't stop. And that was a pretty great metaphor for Satan. You know, like we can, we've always got to be on our watch because it's not like he's going to get tired after a couple of tries and failing to get us. Like we just, we, we can never give up as the topies. I thought it was cool. All day, every day, a cheetah is a predator. Every day. Yeah. Kurt, you've been kind of quiet, man. You got anything to say, or are you just well? Like, I was uh, I was going to mention Elder Bednars, but I'll uh, give a shout out to Elder Johnson, who was the first African American to speak in conference, and just his uh, his I, I loved his cadence in general. Just as you know, that partake of the sacrament every day or every week, every week, every week. You know, and he was very his pattern um, was very. I, I thought about President Monson many times, where you know he'd always come with three points in a lot of his talks, and that's how. Uh, Elder Johnson handled it, so it was uh, it was cool. And not only his cadence, but uh, just his general delivery, I found very refreshing. He didn't speak with the "I'm a general authority delivering a conference talk" voice. He, yeah. he spoke. Yeah. Uh, it was just refreshing. It was it was a, it was a unique voice, and it delivered with a unique emphasis. And uh, it made it for me easier to listen to, and it, it caught my attention because I thought, "Oh, this sounds different." And so it could have very easily been another. Hey, read your scriptures every day, kind of talk. But instead, it was oh, I oh, I'm I'm hearing him. I'm hearing him say, I need to read my scriptures every day. And I don't. Yeah. It reached me in a in a new way, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did too. Uh, I want to give a special mention. I'm just being a jerk right now. I want to give a mention to Elder Boom, who has a great last name, by the way, for basically just re-giving Elder Holland's talk about all the instruments mattering. You know, from a couple of years ago. That was. <laughs> I guess it's a point that needs to be driven home once more. But I, I, when he started saying, like, we are all different instruments, I was like, this is, this is, I mean, Elder Holland only gave that talk, what, two years ago? Well, uh, you know, didn't the Apostle Paul give that talk to the Corinthians? Uh, <laughs> Who is this Paul you keep bringing up throughout this show? I'm just saying, everything's a rehash, all right? All right, that's fair. That's the name of this episode right there. Everything is a rehash. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know if anybody else, this was, I, I actually felt this was a really good conference. Uh, I felt much more at peace with a lot of stuff. Um, on my personal side, there's been a lot of, just been, it's been very stressful lately on my personal side. And instead, I just felt a lot of love this weekend and I felt a lot better about all sorts of things. I just kind of sat there and just cuddled my boys and enjoyed it quite a bit. And I started weeping uncontrollably. Did anybody of you see that new short video they have about uh, refugees that they had right after the first session ended? On Saturday? Oh no, I didn't, I didn't watch that. see that. Huh? It was, you know, they usually they dive into some of the old family, isn't it, about time videos and stuff like that for a little, mm-hmm. before the World Report starts. They have this longer form one about refugees, and it it's, continues to go back in time, little by little, with this one actor. And you finally realize this woman who's helping settle refugees was herself started off as a refugee and was eventually settled and got a job at DI and was able to get a different job. And the whole way the thing was going, I just sat there and I just started just like crying and my wife didn't know what happened. And I just, I don't know. It just, we are so stinking lucky. Like the fact that we're the five of us sitting here recording a podcast piece of peacefully in our homes with technology and stuff. And it's just, I think it breaks my heart because there's such a culture right now that vilifies people who are struggling with a lot of 
a lot of tough situations right now, and I was glad to see the church going well out of its way to not vilify those individuals and to speak about how important it is to look after the one. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's on YouTube or where it might be, but it was clearly newer. And it it catches your eye because the imagery starts off with gritty real life war image of tanks firing and missiles and like poverty and stuff. And you're like, Whoa, when did this become Al Jazeera? What is going on right now? Um, and it became that well worth the time. I just, it just, it caught me off guard and I was a wreck. Wow. Okay. You should find it and link it on Twim. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do my best. And then you'll all watch it and say, well, that was fine, Jeff, but I don't know why you were crying like a weirdo. (laughs) And you will judge me. Let's see. We would never judge you, Jeff. So was it, I know that sometimes they have like KSL produced videos. Was this one that was definitely done by the church and not a KSL produced video? Uh, It was, I don't know. And uh, now you're asking me questions because, I can't necessarily answer. Because, you know, Carol Makita, she is, and I don't know if they show these on BYU TV, but I know like in Utah, if you're watching KSL between conference sessions, Carol Makita always has a new like report every year. Yes. Or yes, twice yes. a year at least. That's, you know, usually a half hour to an hour long. That is some church related thing. And sometimes they, you know, will replay some of those during conference sessions later on. Mm-hmm. I, so anyway, I just was curious if it was something was produced by the church or potentially produced by KSL. I have no idea. I'm looking on the old YouTube right now trying to find something, but not having much luck. So I will, uh, I'll keep a weather eye and see what I can do. It's gotta be, some, it might be something that's older than I realized, but either way, I thought it was just, yeah. well, were you watching on BYU TV or were you? No, I was, I was just what I was only watching the YouTube stream, the live stream, the YouTube, YouTube stream. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Party. Well, sorry to get all serious, everyone. Um, No, I concur with you. I thought it was a beautiful conference. And I also walked away feeling very uplifted and quite renewed and just went, okay, you know, I got things to work on, but I can pat my back on some, pat myself on the back for some of the things I'm doing. So let's get to work on the things I need to work on. Well, there we go. Well, folks, it's been an hour and a half, so we can probably cut it here and uh, let you just carry on with your lives. It was a great conference. I'm sure the talks, they, they do such a great job now getting the talks up online uh, to read and to watch and everything just within less than a week for everything. It's very quick. So we're very fortunate. So check that out. Of course, we hope this has been a worthwhile conference was great. We'll be back in six months, I assume, unless we are have all become holograms or I don't know. I we might experience some I don't know what's going to happen to any of us. I'm frankly afraid. Well, uh, will we will we have Wi-Fi where we're all gathered in Missouri to have conference? I just don't know. Yeah, they're going to gather all of us in Adam on Diamond and then say it's Pioneer 47 guys. Just hop on. Just don't try to use Twitter. It's not going to work. So I would but, love to thank everyone Everyone has taken the time to talk about conference this week. There's been a lot to digest. I think this was great, very worthwhile. So uh, let's see. Let's go around. Kurt Frankham, my friend from Leading Saints. Thanks for joining us, pal. Hey, thanks, Jeff. This is awesome as always. I love talking about conference. I too feel uplifted and I'm excited to jump back in. I've actually listened to some of these talks already, thanks to the church getting those out there yeah. again so quick. But uh, yeah, if you want to... Uh, 
join us over at Leading Saints. You can subscribe to the podcast there at the uh, same place where you're listening to this. And uh, hopefully Jeff will continue to have me back on regular Twim episodes. Okay, well, I did not ask you to plug your, your what you're doing right now. Well, so, what, did, what did you want me to do? I just do? wanted you to say thank you. You're a wonderful person. Thanks for, thank, thank you, you, Jeff. Your podcast is the only one that exists, and you are awesome, and bless your wife and your children, and uh, see you in uh, in the space station in <laughs> April. <Sure. laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Twim sisters, Ariana and Tiffany, you two are delightful. Appreciate you joining us this week. Thanks for having us. You're a wonderful Thanks. person, Jeff. Thank you. They have an Instagram feed that you can plug, so use that everybody uh jared gillens i don't know if there's anything for us to plug for you if, if there's something podcast. you want to plug. oh yeah how's the how's the jean-luc picard cast going it's going very slowly we did actually record a new episode today because uh they released oh. a new trailer yesterday at new york comic-con so picard, check yeah. out our new uh, episode which will probably drop tomorrow or tuesday and once again that is the jean-luc picard cast that's correct p-i-c-o-d-c-a-s-t which I assume you can find wherever you get podcasts. Where, wherever you get podcasts, which should be the name of a podcast platform, I think, wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, well, Apple works better. True. Um, anyway, thank you. I feel happy and lucky to be here. I'm very grateful for all of you. Thanks so much. And of course, you can find this podcast wherever you get podcasts. And if you haven't smashed that subscribe button on your phone, please do so, or on whichever device you're using. And if you feel like leaving us a review... It's always a nice thing to do as well. And join us on uh, social media and on thisweekinmormons.com, wherein you can enjoy all of this stuff and us reposting items from the city of Taylorsville, which was way more excited about the temple than the city of Orem was, by the way. They were very happy. So, folks, thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a great conference. For everybody here, I'm Jeff. Appreciate you tuning in. Be well, be holy, and be happy. Quarter to three. Beds turned into the sea All I need is some sleep Waves crashing over, over me Giant awoke Careful when stepping over those